0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you want to support the show, the best way you can is through any of the books or current ongoing Vela shorts that are being released on a regular basis. The easiest way to find this is to go to bitbit.ly slash books. And you'll have links there to everything. All of my Kindle books are available for free. If you have Kindle Unlimited, you don't have to pay anything. You get it with your subscription. You can read them all. They're all in screenplay format. That includes Swan Song, The Muses, Duet, In the End, Our Past Does Not Define Us. Anything else that I've written that's available on Kindle, it's available there. You can buy a soft cover if you want. Uh, there's a hardcover collection of all of the Swan Song books all combined into one. That's available as a hardcover. You can pre-order Echo Alpha, which is coming out in November. All of these things are available if you go uh, on Amazon. But, quick link, if you go bit.ly B-I-T slash tmrbooks, I have them all there, nice, easily cataloged. Also, down toward the bottom, we have the Kindle Vella content. Uh, the first three episodes are always free. And then after that, um, there's a token system that you can use to... to you know, read. Even if you don't like it, just give it a thumbs up. Uh, That way we can get it up higher so more people see it. So one final time, that's bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks and every Wednesday there's a new Vela book that goes up. Taser and Acrobat, Nanite and Rosebud, Tales from Another World, and The Alchemist and the Illusionist. All go up on Wednesdays and it's all available on uh, Kindle Vela. All of this is available bitbit.ly slash tmrbooks. Sorry to overload the front, but before we start, one final thing. If you can please go on Apple Podcasts, if that's how you listen, and give us a five-star rating, that would mean a lot. We're trying to get on to Rotten Tomatoes and sites like that, and we need to get more reviews to be accepted. So if you can go on and give us a five-star review there, that would be amazing. Uh, Thank you very much. Um, We appreciate everything you guys do when you listen. This week on 30-Minute Reviews, a bunch of trailers. Trailer for Morbius, trailer for Lightyear, trailer for Book of Boba Fett. We got news over why New Gods was canceled. We got some casting stuff. We got a ton of stuff coming up all this week on 30-Minute Reviews. Welcome to 30 Minute Reviews. I am Adam. We have a lot to talk about. No movie this week, but we are going to talk about um, an event comic that's currently ongoing. So let's just dive in and start talking about some stuff. So let's get the casting out of the way first. Um, there's a National Treasure series that's happening on Disney+. Plus. They have cast someone named Lizette Alexis in the lead of said show. The show is still a Bruckheimer production I think it's like a spiritual successor to National Treasure and Book of Secrets. Um, cool. I think this is just part of the larger discussion we can have about developing new content versus taking old content and putting a new name on it. Um, uh, taking new content and an old name on it because I I don't know if National Treasure is really a franchise. <laughs> That people have, like, people love the the two movies, but, like, does two movies make a franchise? I don't think so. I think it's two movies. Like, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 isn't a franchise in the same way that it became a franchise after the animated show. Like, ran for seven seasons and 140 episodes. That's what built it into being a franchise. Otherwise, it's just two movies. Like, Caddyshack isn't a franchise, it's just two movies. Like, once you start developing and, and going outside of the, the main story, I think that's where we start, you know, getting into it. And I think this is what's going to really build it into that. Um, so, that's really all there is to talk about with that. Because I don't think this, this girl has too many acting credits to her name. They're, they went with an outsider, which, again, makes sense because Disney has a tendency to treat the IP as the star and then cast smaller names so it can pay them less. Where it's like, oh, you're not a big name. We can do that. Like, when when you look at like where all of the Marvel actors were when they got pulled in, it wasn't Disney at the time. But it's like they weren't huge names. Like Chris Pratt wasn't Chris Pratt when he was cast as uh, Star Lord. He didn't become Chris Pratt until after that, until he he was Star Lord. Um, He was, you know, he had a, a, he was a a series regular on Parks and Rec, but he wasn't a, uh, like, a leading man in that way. Um, So it's kind of different there. Um, The next big casting news comes from Netflix. This is for the three-body problem, which is... A science fiction trilogy from... Uh, I didn't write his name down. And if I did, I wouldn't know how to pronounce it. And I don't want to make an ass of myself mispronouncing his name. But it's a Chinese author. Um, but it is very heavily steeped in Chinese culture. Um, and uh, it's being uh, co-showrun by Benny and Weiss. You may remember as the showrunners of Game of Thrones who had... You know, no experience show running a show. She ran Game of Thrones into the ground. Then went out and bragged about how they pulled the, the heist of the century. Like, oh, we, I can't believe we got away with this. And, and it, it was just, you know, in bad taste. They're still doing the three body problem, unfortunately. Um, they did cast a few made people who you may be familiar with. Uh, Benedict Wong will be in the in the show. Um, he is of um Doctor Strange and Infinity War. And Endgame and Shang-Chi fame. Um yeah, Gonzalez, who was from Baby Driver, who was in Godzilla vs. Kong. She's there. Um, C. Shamuka, who is the, the last one I've written down here. She was on Arrow. She played uh, Emigo Queen on Arrow. Um, so, you know, it's cool that they're, you know, keeping it. No, like they didn't homogenize it and turn it white which is what I thought was going to happen but you know still would have been nice to have people who have some like information or background in the uh in the in the 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 genre being presented uh have the have the role uh have the role of showrunner here um oh uh, so that's pretty fun um the next casting is, I think there's only one other casting story looking over my list. Yes, it is. They're doing a spin-off of John Wick out of Parabellum, which was the third John Wick movie, the fourth coming out next year. If you recall in John Wick 3, they go to the ballet school and there's like talk or reference to another elite assassin um, who's a ballerina and they don't show her in the movie, but they wanna spin out that character from in within this world, which is cool. I think that, you know, John Wick as a world, something that's ripe for exploration, like, you know, the Continental I was interested in until they brought in Mel Gibson and I I kinda wanna see, you know, where this is going. And here we have Anna de Armas, um, of um uh, Knives Out fame, and Blade Runner 2049, and most recently she was in... Uh, oh, No Time to Die. She was in the James Bond movie. Um, also, numerous fan casts of Zatanna I've seen. Um, but she is in talks and circling a deal, according to Deadline, to appear in that John Wick spinoff. I think that's a good decision. I think that that's cool. She held her own in... Um, what's it called? In... Uh, No Time to Die, and I think that, you know, despite her role being small, I think that, you know, it's an interesting kind of uh, way to to do it. Um, I think that that's a good choice. I'll be interested to see where that plays, how that plays. So this brings us to the trailer news. Um, We have, first, let's talk about the Lightyear trailer, which dropped after, it dropped before the episode dropped. But last week I was busy. So I had to put the the episode went up before, like after the trailer, but it was recorded before the trailer. All that is to say, um, we have a trailer for Lightyear, which is Pixar's second movie of 2022. Seeing Red in March is their first. This is their second uh, in July with Chris Evans playing Buzz Lightyear. This is just a very expensive way to recast Tim Allen because um, they don't want. Um, they don't want to use Tim Allen anymore for obvious reasons. They don't want to have to be like, okay, well, here's a guy who thinks he can use the N word because he's not racist. But it's like, if you're going to use the N word anyway, like the, the, the very thought of using it makes you racist. Like, it's not like, like we don't have to get into this, but they don't want to be affiliated with Tim Allen anymore. That's just a very quick way or not quick way, but like, you know, in continuity reason why they're doing that. Now, this is the story of Buzz Lightyear, uh, the man that Buzz Lightyear the toy is based on. Chris Evans made that abundantly clear when the announcement happened last year. Um, surprisingly quick turnaround, though. Um, but he made the they made the announcement last year at um, when they did the big investor day thing um, in December, and they announced Lightyear. And here's my problem with this: it's that. This isn't, like, Pulp Hero Buzz Lightyear. Like, it's the man it's based on. So, these things happened. What we see in Lightyear happened. Um, Like, in the world of Toy Story. Like, you see where I'm going with it? Like, they have intergalactic travel and, like, you know... Like, looking at, like, say, Toy Story, for example, where we have, like, Sid's dad, like, day drunk watching TV, like, in a recliner with, you know, beer cans all around him. And, like, nothing in that world would inter- would indicate that they have faster than light travel or, like, anything like that because everything's kind of grounded in reality except for the fact that the toys talk. Um... But, I mean, it's a small gripe, like, it's the kind of movie that I'd be interested in if I was that age, like, of the target audience, because um, I was a big science fiction kid at the time. Um, so, yeah, like, it looks it looks cool, it looks well animated, it looks fun, it looks like, you know, it's just gonna be a, a romp in space, like, I'm also partial still to the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command movie, that came out in the early 2000s, the 2D animated one with Patrick Warburton as Buzz, I think that that, you know, I, that still has a very special place in my heart, and that whole show was really cool and, and all of that. Like, I would I would like to, I'd like to say i go to Disney+, Plus to be honest. Um, but I have a feeling it won't, because I don't want to do brand confusion. Because, um, you know, now Lightyear is doing Lightyear. So, um, either that or could, I don't know, I'll, It's still still an interesting show, and, like, I I played the fuck out of that PlayStation game. Anyway, we are way off topic. Um, The next trailer is Morbius. Um, Morbius the Living Vampire with Jared Leto, and I feel like... I don't know. Like, it's like, for me, the idea of, like, this Sony universe of Marvel characters feels kind of... Like, not silly per se, but, like, I don't really have too much of an interest in it. Because, like, here's the thing. Venom made a lot of money. Venom, Let There Be Carnage, made a lot of money. They're not good movies, though. Like, they're not rewatchable. They're not entertaining. They're not anything. Like, they're oddly dated in a weird way that feels like they should have come out ten years ago. Like, and maybe it's just we expect more from our comic book movies now, but... That it's just not great. So, Morbius, I'm not super psyched about because it's like, first of all, Jared Leto I think is overrated to an extent. Like, he's got his Oscar, but like his Joker wasn't great. Even in the Snyder Cut, his Joker wasn't great. He, like, I I don't know. I don't, I don't really have like he t- he makes choices, but like him being in the movie isn't enough to draw me in in that way. Um, I don't have an attachment to the character where I think that this is going to be interesting or fun or anything like that. And, and like, unlike Venom, Morbius is kind of just a bad guy. Like, Venom is kind of an antihero. Like, you know, he he's homicidal, the lethal protector, as... They make abundantly clear all throughout Let There Be Carnage. He always calls himself the lethal protector the entire way through. Like, okay, we get it. You read one Venom comic. Calm the fuck down. Like, I I don't think that this movie necessarily needs to exist. I don't think that it's something that seems fun. And it also seems to be playing fast and loose at, like, where it takes place. Because, like... It has references to every iteration of Spider-Man, all four universes that there are. There's MCU Spider-Man references, there's references to Venom Universe, there's references to um, uh, The Amazing Spider-Man, to Raimi Spider-Man, and it's just kind of a mess in a weird way. And, like, no trailer from Morbius has really made me think that I want to see this movie in a meaningful way. Um, nothing has sold me on what the movie's about or told me that the movie's gonna be worth my time to watch or anything like that. I don't think that I'm particularly interested. Like, I'll see it. I'm not gonna be happy about it, but I'll see it. Um, the last trailer we'll talk about last because it'll segue nicely into what we're gonna talk about this week. Um, so following the, the death of Helena, um, Hutchinson, I believe her name was, um... In that shooting on set. On set of Rust. Uh, by Alec Baldwin. Um, there have been increasing bans to call. Uh, increasing calls to ban firearms from set. Uh, the armors and the weapons masters are opposed to this. And it's like. Look. I I watched. I I, I watched a. A movie set on a fictional desert planet. With. Like. Miles-long sandworms. And... It looked pretty realistic. I watched a... Um... A movie... Where... They traveled through time... And to collect... Magic rocks... To undo... A nine-foot-tall... Purple guy's... Snap. And then... The ensuing fight around it. Like... In that movie, and this is the example I use a lot for, like, can you believe how far, like, Marvel has come in terms of its storytelling and all of that. Like, in that movie, there is a, a kid in the iron spider suit who has, like, shot a web to Thor's hammer and is flying through the air on that tearing and a and completed Infinity Gauntlet. Like, we can make these things look realistic, and, and they do sell prop guns that don't have a firing mechanism. There, there is a way to do this that doesn't look bad. Like, when you, when you watch season one of Arrow, like, all of those Arrows are CG. <laughs> like, they're not... Physically, Like, like, Stephen Amell can't actually shoot arrows the way he does in in Season 1 of Arrow. Well, that's just my two cents on it. Like, in a a world where we can do that, I don't think we necessarily need live ammunition ever on a set. Um, that's just me personally. Facebook is changing its name. I don't know why I have that on the list, but Facebook is changing their name to Meta. Um, that'll be fun. Um... Few more stories. Number one: Wizards Unite, Harry Potter. Wizards Unite, the um, the Harry Potter um, themed Pokemon Go type game uh, that Niantic put out in 2018, I believe, is closing its doors on um, January 1st of next year. Um, I can't say this is particularly a surprise. Um, Like, for me, I played both Pokemon Go and and Wizards Unite. Wizards Unite, extremely briefly. Because, number one, Wizards Unite launched in 2018. So, Pokemon Go had already been out for two years. Now, Pokemon Go was building off of their first game. I don't remember the name of their first game. It was, like, Excess or Ingress, I think it was called. Um, where it was, you know, something like that. Then they built off of that, created Pokemon Go. Pokemon Go got built on, they created, um, Wizards Unite Play for free at Luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wizard Unite you couldn't play as easily. Um a lot of features that Pokemon Go had were not included at launch at Wizard Unite, which was weird because like, you know, things like Adventure Sync where we're not built into Wizards Unite at launch. And it's like, that's kind of a weird thing. That took a year for them to put them into Pokemon Go. And then it's available and then it doesn't it's not there for that. Um the distribution of like greenhouses and inns and fortresses and all of that was a little skewed in a weird way. Um where if I went to any Pokestop or Gym, I would get more Pokeballs. If I went to, you had to go to and in to get more energy to do spells. And it's like, well, why am I going to do that? Um, the collection was less streamlined and more annoying. Um, especially when you take into consideration the amount of skill it took to do anything. Um, and and it, it was just not a fun game. And then on top of it, if I play Pokemon Go already, and then you introduce the second game that's similar that I would be playing while walking around, say, the mall... Like, if I'm doing that Pokemon Go, I can't do that for both on one phone, because both the games take up a lot of RAM, and if you tried to run both at once, it would crash your phone in a lot of cases. So people who were already deeply invested in Pokemon Go, at that point, two years in, which would have been around the time of the launch of the Hoenn Pokemon, like, it it seemed kind of weird. Plus, on top of it, like, like, you know, quests and things like that weren't properly implemented, And, like, with Pokemon, there's a very clear rarity of Pokemon that you can kind of tell. It's like, well, I know what the legends are. I know what this is. And it's like, everything has very clearly defined power levels. I don't think Harry Potter has anything close to that that would translate well. And they never really did translate into Wizards Unite. Um, So it's not surprising to me that it's ending. Um, It's going the way of Minecraft... Earth, which was also another one of these things that didn't quite catch on, but it was another one of these, you know, in real life kind of games. Um, It's not surprising to me that these are not working the way that, you know, Pokemon Go did. I think Pokemon Go works because of what Pokemon is. It's just taking the formula of Pokemon that sold millions and millions, if not billions of copies of the games over the last 25, almost 30 years... And, and just applying it to a mobile game in, in real life with augmented reality and, and interperson play. And it's, that works where other things are like, oh, we can do that too. Like there was a Ghostbusters one, there was a Walking Dead one. And it's like, we can do that too. But it's like, it doesn't apply in the same way. It doesn't work in the same way. Um, and I think that that's why Wizards United is going away now. Um, even though Nintendo just launched a new Pikmin one, which seems like a weird choice, all things considered in this day and age. Um, so, the next video game one is about Haunted Chocolatier. Apparently there was some confusion about the gameplay of Haunted Chocolatier, which is the next game from Concerned Ape, who did Stardew Valley. Then people were like, it looks like the combat is the same as Stardew Valley. and And, like, Stardew Valley isn't a combat-heavy game. Like... It's a byproduct almost of exploration and mining, the way that combat's kind of set up in Stardew Valley. And it's like, you know, people were, I guess, upset about that. They were upset about the fact that the, the it didn't look as it evolved in any way since Stardew Valley. And I'm kind of in the opposite camp. I'm like... If, if it's not a main part of the game, then, you know, combat shouldn't be a priority. But apparently, the, the combat system has been reworked from the ground up for Stardew, for uh, Haunted Chocolatier. And combat will feature prominently in the gameplay, uh, as opposed to Stardew Valley, which is fine. Like, I like when I heard when I saw the article, it's like, Concerned Ape has good news about the Haunted Chocolatier. I was like, oh, is it that it's being released by the end of next year? Because other than that, I don't give a shit. Like give me a gameplay trailer, give me, like, a demo, give me something like that, I would be more than happy to, you know, to deal with this game, but, like, oh, he overhauled the combat system, like, cool, until I see the new combat system in action, I don't care, like, I, like, you can say you did it all you wanted, it's cool, like, you could have put the same combat system in, and I would have been fine with it, like, the combat system in Stardew Valley uh, for what it is, works very well. And if the Haunted Chocolatier is what it appears to be, I don't need the combat system to be any deeper than it is in Stardew Valley. So we'll see how that goes. Um, let's see, what else have we got? Um, I think that this is something that broke today. I don't know how much of this broke today, though. Like We knew that Rick Riordan had signed a deal with um, Disney Plus to develop Percy Jackson and the Olympians for Disney Plus um, after the ill-fated movie, and I think it got a sequel, but the movie came out, and the movie was not well-received, and I think there was a lot of people who read the books and then watched the movie, and it was like, well, you know, they're kids. Like, when they made Harry Potter, they didn't suddenly age everyone up for this. They were like, no, they cast kids to play kids, and it made sense. Um, for Percy Jackson, they did not do that, and Percy Jackson was not well-received, so now they're doing it on Disney+. Plus. He also provided updates on two other projects that I didn't know about, Um, so I'm just gonna, you know, bring it up here, maybe no one else knew about it. The Kane Chronicles, which is another one of his series, or a series that's, like, under his imprint, I think at this point he's kind of like Tom Clancy, except still alive, where it's like, you know, other authors do things under him, but still, like, Rick Riordan presents, and it's like, whatever it is. The Kane Chronicles appears to be based out of ancient Egyptian mythology, uh, that is a series that's being developed at Netflix, and Daughters of the Deep is being developed by Disney. Um, they didn't say Disney Plus, so it could be theatrical or it could be Disney Plus. So uh, that's that. Now let's talk about the Book of Boba Fett trailer before we launch into our comic discussion today. Um, so the trailer for Book of Boba Fett drops because that's coming out in a little over a month, close to the two months at this point. But uh, it's, our, it's Robert Rodriguez is leading it, and it is the story of Boba Fett. Um. After the Mandalorian kind of taking control of the underground, um, the criminal underworld of at least Tatooine, if not the galaxy. And the trailer looks like it's... Here's the thing. At this point, if you watch a trailer for anything on Disney+, and expect a copious amount of footage to come from anything but the first two or three episodes, you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. Like, if you look at, like, Falcon and Winter Soldier, everything came from, like, Episode 1 and Episode 2. Like, the majority of What If came from Episode 1 and Episode 2. The majority of, um, WandaVision, with the exception of, like, the Halloween costume and, like, anything with Jimmy Woo came from Episode 1 and Episode 2. Um, but... And it's like there's a lot of, like, political stuff where it's like him having meetings with the other, you know, heads of the underworld and things like that. And it's going to be interesting to see where that goes. I did have a thought, though. And that is how Star Wars and the Marvel comics that are currently ongoing that are set between Episode 5 and Episode 6 are doing a kind of thing about bounty hunters right now. That's their big thing. Um, Because in Solo, a Star Wars story the Han Solo origin movie, they introduced, um, Crimson Dawn, and then nothing ever really came of it, probably because Solo bombed. Um, and, it introduced Kira, which is, Emila Clark's character, from, uh, from, uh, Game of Thrones, well, she was from Game of Thrones, but her character, is, uh, Han's, like, childhood friend, slash, girlfriend, slash, also head of the, head of Crimson Dawn, um, now that, they they killed off um, Paul Bettany, like, she's there, and so now Crimson Dawn um, was also headed up by Darth Maul. Um, at this point, Darth Maul is dead, Crimson Dawn has kind of been destroyed to an extent, so War of the Bounty Hunters is happening, and that is the jumping-on point where we start getting back into the swing of things with Crimson Dawn. Now, War of the Bounty Hunters is kind of a story of like, you know, I guess that like, well, the Emperor, the Empire, always made a really dumb decision in in handing Han over to the to the bounty hunter in this case, Boba Fett, who bring him back to um, to not Django, to Jabba, and it, like it doesn't make sense because like he's General Solo, he's a Rebellion general, like you know, maybe you couldn't interrogate him there and get enough out of him. And it seems like that they did to kind of retcon that would be like, oh, the plan was for him to give him up and then to, on the way, like, try to get him back um, after Jabba gets him and then things go awry. And it's like, here's the thing, is Ward Bounty Hunters is just a setup to Crimson Rain, which is the next thing. And the Hidden Empire feels like a new version of what the 90s plan for the sequel was going to be. Where the Empire falls and then a new, like, the criminal underworld rises up to fill the void. uh, Led by Darth Maul. Um, Now it seems like Kira is going to be taking that role in this. Um, Now, here's the thing. Up until this point, it has seemed like... Now, I don't think that... I think that we were, it appeared as if they were building towards Thrawn... As kind of the bad guy. Like, the, the big bad that they were going to do over the course of all of these shows. But... It seems like... It seems like it may be Kira... Instead. And... I... I'm fine with that. But... I, I don't... Like... You know, I Thron had a full season of his show, uh, not his show, but like the show on uh, Rebels to build him up as a bad guy. He has had two thr- two trilogies of books setting him up as a bad guy. The third and the second trilogy comes out this year. Um. We've had plenty of time to set Thrawn up as the bad guy. Ahsoka has said, I'm looking for Thrawn. This feels like, if this is accurate, where it looks like this is where it's going. And again, I'm mixed on it because I would like for them to have this thing that's kind of interwoven between the various medias where it doesn't feel like the books are kind of the slums and the comics are the slums and it's like there's the main story going on. And it's, like, if the books feel like touching on it, then they will. But it's, like, you know, they'll almost never go in the opposite direction. And I I get it. But in a perfect world, where if what we're advertising is true, where it's, like, everything's connected, everything's equally canon, then what we should be building towards right now is Kira as the bad guy. Um, and I think that that's a cool idea. Crimson Dawn could be the show they do that brings all these people together. Um... They could also do that as a show in between um, 3 and 4. Because you have the Kenobi show. You have the, um, what's it called? It just it just kind of feels like, you know... It's one of those things where it's like they're either inter- creating this big interconnected thing and interlaying it in a way that's going to either get people... Like, there's no winning the scenario. Because people who thought it was Thrawn are going to be disappointed when it's not Thrawn. And it's Emilia Clark instead. And then people who are reading the comics and everything were like, oh, they're clearly building towards this. When that doesn't happen to do thrown it's like, well, what am I doing reading these comics? There's no winning this situation. Um, and again, this is another one of those unforced errors where they kind of force themselves into the situation. Um, and I think if they had like a second one of the um, the volume, then this wouldn't be an issue. But because Lucasfilm only has one soundstage that has the volume on it, which is the giant um, screen that can create worlds on it, um, that you know, that interact with the camera, because they only have one of those, they have to record these shows one at a time. And that slows down production by a substantial margin. And unlike, say, Marvel, where it's like they are record- they-, they are filming on location. Um, in various places. And I think that. Like I read the Afra book. I read the, the War the Bounty Hunters. And I think it's an interesting thing. I like where they're going. And I like the idea that like. You know. Crimson Dawn is here. But I feel like. If we're now five years later. And we're still dealing with this. I would have rather they did. And like. I know this is going to be an unpopular opinion. Um, Solo wasn't bad. It was okay, perfectly okay, and I think Alden Ehrenreich did a perfectly passable job playing Han Solo. I understand that Harrison Ford is still alive. Harrison Ford is also my grandmother's age. Um, he is eighty. Um, he cannot pass for what he was in 1983, when or 1984, 83, or 82, whatever year it was when Return of the Jedi came out. He cannot pass for that because that was forty years ago. Um, like, that's what I think the the Boba Fett show should be. The Boba Fett show should be him balancing the books. And it's like, I have this problem, like, you know, I have these debts outstanding and all of these things, and there's still one motherfucker out there who sent me in the Sarlacc pit where I was stuck in there for God knows how long, and then I escaped and I had to go through all this bullshit. There's one guy... One motherfucker out there. He needs to die. So if you want to give me a show of him hunting Han Solo and then bring in Alden Ehrenreich in, like, the finale to play young Han Solo or, like, you know, slightly older than he was in the original trilogy Han Solo, like, that's fine by me. Like, I would watch that show. But now it's like we have this weird thing where it's like, wait, so, like, I don't think you could even feasibly cast... Emila Clark in their role if it's this far after because it's like 10 years between Solo and um what's it called between Solo and A New Hope and then there's like three years and then another five after that so like Emila Clark still looks late 20s in her late 40s I don't like if we're looking at how Harrison Ford has aged in that time frame I or like look at like Obi-Wan's aging over that time frame, I don't know if that really... I think you'd have to cast someone new, because that's a substantial amount of time to have passed, and for her to still like, look like Emilia Clark, that would be a little bit probably unrealistic. Um, but it's also Star Wars, so who cares? Um, but I think that, like, you know, I'm, I'm for this, but I would have rather this was what they were building to in the inter-trilogy era more than the post-Return of the Jedi era. Um, because I think Thrawn's a good, strong thing to have there, um, but then again, there's really no reference, like, they've really dug themselves a hole with Thrawn in terms of the other expanded media, because, like, in Aftermath and in Alphabet Squadron, they don't have a reference that Thrawn is still alive, it's, Thrawn is dead. Like, they're pretty explicit about that in Aftermath. In the Aftermath trilogy. In, in, in Alphabet Squadron, when they lead into the Battle of Jakku, it's like, Thrawn's not referenced. And I think had Thrawn been there, the the serious problem that arose out of that wouldn't have happened. Um, but I don't remember when the battle, the battle of Jakku was before that, I think. I don't know. Either way, they need to get their shit together. Like... They still don't have their shit together. And, like, the only show I'm, I'm looking forward to is Ahsoka. I'm looking forward to The Accolade. I do not care for the book of Boba Fett. Um, because I think Boba Fett should have just stayed dead. Like, I don't think we needed a resurrected Boba Fett. Um, but we'll wrap up there for today. Uh, we'll be back next week with more news and probably a movie review. Um, so until then, have a great rest of your week. Do you like the show? Do you hate the show? Are you indifferent to the show? No matter what, you should probably let us know what we're doing so we can change it to better suit you, the listener's needs. You can go to either bitbit.ly boscontact which is a contact form page you can use. Also, you can just email us directly at 30 reviews at gmail.com. If you have questions that you would like us to answer, we can answer them on the air. We have a few questions every week that will be selected to be answered on air. Um, so if you want to tell us what we should do, or if you have a suggestion for a movie or a TV show or something we should cover, go to bitbit.ly slash B-O-S contact and also email us 30 minute reviews at gmail.com.